to. Thank you all so much for coming. Let's, uh, let's begin. Uh, so last week we discussed the biography um, and the incredible life story of Rav Tzadok. And we finished with the Pasuk Malachi Perak Gimel. And the Pasuk says, Kisiv Sekon that the lips of the Kohen, the lips of the priest, guard wisdom and knowledge. And we ask for Torah from them, and we learn Torah from them because they are a Malach Hashem Tzavakos. They are an, an angel of God. And uh, we mentioned the Gemara that says if the rabbi is similar to an angel, if the teacher is similar to an angel, that's the kind of person you learn from. The more, I think, or I would advocate, hopefully, at the end of uh, these uh, series of Shiurim, one would agree with me that the sum total of the experience of Rav Tzadok's Torah is to recognize that this is a Rav Adom that we're learning Torah from a rabbi whose engagement with Torah, engagement with HaKadosh Baruch Hu across their lifetime of, of thinking about God constantly and writing about God and God's Torah is uh, that the sum total that indicates to us that we're learning Torah from a Malach Hashem Tzavakos. And um, I want to... Um, I want to refer back to something that we talked about last time, which was that we talked about the mystery and the hiddenness of Rav Tzadok's life. We mentioned that Rav Tzadok was essentially in seclusion and writing for 34 years after the death of his Rebbe, the Ishbitzer, and after the second, uh, after the second uh, loss in the house of Ishbitz of Rav Leibla Eger, of Tzadok's friend, and uh, until Rav Tzadok assumed the leadership of a group of Hasidim in Lublin, uh, what's called um, colloquially Hasidus Lublin, the House of Lublin, in 1888. And that hiddenness that still exists and persists to our time, the mystery that surrounds Rav Tzadok, that his writings um, that I mentioned, even the one Savyat that I had the opportunity to look at, uh, just seeing the signature of the Kohen. Somebody had mentioned on Twitter, they said, you know, here is a list of the rabbis that they want to meet. And, uh, and I said, uh, trying to be snarky and get the likes or whatever, I said that um, the very least I would like a picture of Rav Tzadok. I just want to see what he looks like. The fact that he died in 1900 and we don't, we don't have any idea what Rav Tzadok looked like is, uh, I think it's a tragedy in its own right, uh, the lack of that kind of even visual connection with the tzaddik. Uh, but this hiddenness defined Rav Tzadok. And I want to make mention of one more biographical point before we continue is that Rav Tzadok was already legendary. He was the stuff of legends during his own lifetime, uh, during his own time here. Um, for example, uh, we have testimony from a friend of Rav Tzadok, somebody that knew Rav Tzadok in his lifetime, uh, Rav Moshe, the Av Beistin of Chemelov, who reported, who report, and this is mentioned by, by so many people. Hey, Jake. Uh, this is mentioned by so many people when they talk about Rav Tzadok, usually at the beginning, and I think that this is probably one of the things that people say about Rav Tzadok that also obscures who exactly we're dealing with. So I mentioned this only in passing. Um, Rav Moshe based of Chemelov reported that his close friend Rav Tzadok testified that he was speaking by a year old and able to make a shahakal before he nursed from his mother. And that too was able to daven and was learning by three and a half years old. Uh, Rav Tzadok's household growing up was very poor, destitute. And when there would be no candles, Rav Tzadok would learn Torah by moonlight. He would take his learning outside and he would learn by the light of the moon. And uh, whether or not this is, you know, actually factually correct, uh, this is certainly, even by the standards of rabbinic hagiography, uh, quite a strange testimony to say about somebody, which I think perhaps 
indicates the truth to something like this. I, I believe it uh, for what that's worth. Um, it tells us what kind of a life this person led and the kind of upbringing that he had for himself and the kind of talent and sense of gift that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him that allowed Rav Tzadok to develop into the Kohen, who we know as the Kohen. And I want to I wanna point out that if you think about the Hasidic library, you know, every Jewish movement develops its own library of books. We have the classic works of Musar, the classic works of Halacha, the classic works of responsive literature. When you think about the classic works of the Hasidic movement founded by the Baal Shem Tov, now every library is going to be a little bit different. I think if you go into Lubavitcher Hasid's house, you're going to find a very different library than you might find in the house of uh, somebody that uh, that's comes from the house of Ger, for example. But I think it's worth pointing out that if you were to ask people that don't associate with one particular house of Hasidut, or if you ask people to be Messiah Lefitumam and tell us uh, what are some of the classics of the Hasidic library in the, you know, in the, in the two and a half centuries of Hasidus, what, what stands out? So I think for sure you would gesture to Sefer Atanya from the Alter Rebbe. I think people would point out the works of Sfasemes that come from, that come from, um, that come from Ger, I think that people would point out, uh, perhaps even nowadays, Nesiva Shalom from the Slanim Rebbe, which has opened the world of Hasidus to so many people and enjoyed a distinct popularity. There we go, Kyle. Distinct, you see what I mean? It's uh, something that's on people's shelves. These are classics uh, that emerge. Um, and, and many of the rabbis that I just mentioned were people that had huge followings and, uh, and, and, and were responsible for so many Hasidim. I think that the very fact that Rav Tzadok is known from his works, that Rav Tzadok is known from his Torah writings, which were all published posthumously, that Rav Tzadok held on to, uh, instructed people what to do with them after he passed, but only published posthumously, I think we get the sense that just by dint of Rav Tzadok's Torah alone, and not for necessarily charisma, not for necessarily leading a group of Hasidim, but just from Tzadok's Torah writings alone, Rav Tzadok became and earned himself a place in not just the Hasidic bookshelf, but in the history of Torah writing, as such was the magnitude of the impact of Rav Tzadok's writings, despite the fact that, as we touched upon last week a little bit, and we'll speak next week more in depth, uh, there was a hand of censorship on many of Rav Tzadok's works, that his Torah was considered radical in many respects. And next week, we're going to get a little bit more into that aspect of Rav Tzadok. But I think it's worth saying that Rav Tzadok has certainly earned his place. The first thing I want to share with you this evening is a, um, is a comment by, uh, as he would say, um, and I'm happy to say Yididi, my friend Rabbi David Beshevkin. Rabbi David Beshevkin, um, it doesn't really need any introduction for me. He was in the Shir last week. Um, so he published a book called Synagogue, which has been extremely popular. It's a, an amazing read, and I recommend it. Um, but he also, before that was published, uh, wrote a beautiful appreciation for Tzadok on the Sfarim blog. And I want to quote to you something that uh, Rabbi Beshevkin mentioned over here. During the mid-20th century, Reb Tzadok's thought was first taught in America by Rabbi Shrei Gofaival Mendelovich, who gave classes on his works during his tenure as administrator in Rosh Yeshiva at Yeshiva Storovadas. I'll pause for a second and mention that Rabbi Moshe Wolfson, the mashgiach of Yeshiva Storovadas, whose own Torah writing is so rich and so beautiful, himself has a commentary on Sefer Atanya 
And in Sefer Atanya, he talks about, Revolfson talks about Rav Shagafaival and his pivotal role in transmitting the works of classic Hasidus and Hasidic thought to America and works that probably would not have gained acceptance or widespread learning if not for Shagafaival's efforts. It's something to think about. Um, it probably merits a series of shirim in its own right. The works of Ritzadok also deeply influenced the works of Rav Dessler, as we mentioned last week, Rav Gedal Yeshur, Rav Yitzchak Kutner. And these Rosh Yeshiva brought Rav Tzadok's works to American yeshivot, often unknown to those studying the works of the aforementioned rabbis, some of whom rarely, if at all, cite Rav Tzadok by name. The thought and influence of Rav Tzadok is manifest in their work. It's fair to say that the resurgence of study of what has become known as machshava, Jewish thought, in contemporary yeshivot truly owes a great deal of credit to the works of Rav Tzadok. That's what Rabbi Beshevkin says in the beginning of his... Oh, he's here. Um, sorry, Rabbi. Um, okay, I just stopped sharing the screen and saw that. Anyway, what, what I think his point over here, which is extremely well taken, we mentioned the hiddenness and the mystery of Rav Tzadok both in life and in the afterlife of Rav Tzadok, in the literary life of Rav Tzadok. And I think um, what's interesting, what I take from this idea that Rabbi Beshevkin mentions, is that uh, Rav Tzadok's influence may already be deeply upon someone who has any contact with uh, yeshiva or the works of Machshava, and that happened unconsciously without explicit mention of Ritz Sadok, which I think speaks to a special element of Ritz Sadok, of this hiddenness, of this mystery, which is perhaps how the Kohen wanted it to be. Um, and that I think that if you're somebody that learns the works of Ritz Sadok and delves deeply into them, which is one of the goals of these shiurim, uh, you'll recognize the unconscious ways in which Ritz Sadok's thought already permeates your understanding of Akadosh Baruch Hu, your, your understanding of Jewish thought, and, uh, and your service of God also, that the Kohen works unconsciously. And suffice it to say, as we'll see uh, in future shiurim, the role of the unconscious, the role of the tat muda in Rav Tzadok's thought is paramount. The notion of what happens with Torah on the unconscious soul, uh, in the inner recesses of someone's personality, something that Rav Tzadok himself reflected on. And we're going to touch upon that tonight as well also. So here's what I want to do. I want to stop talking, and I want to let Rav Tzadok talk for himself. And we're going to learn our first piece of Torah from Rav Tzadok, and I think that we're going to look at an amazing work of Rav Tzadok, and the name of this work is Resise Laila. Resise Laila, I'll just translate for you right now, comes from a Pasuk in Shir Hashirim, and I'm going to use Michael Fishbane's translation. Professor Fishbane says, it comes from the Pasuk, Ani Yishena V'libi Er, I was asleep, but my heart was wakeful. One of the most beautiful things. Niyashain of Libier. I'm asleep and my heart is awake. Uh, more, I, I, don't, I can't tell of a more apt description of the subconscious, of the dreaming state. Koldo di dofek, my beloved Nox, Petri let me in, my darling Rayasi, Yonasi, Tamasi, my darling, my faultless dove, Sheroshi Nimlatal, my head is drenched with dew. My locks, the curls, and you could see I need a haircut. I have my own curls. Uh, Avi, you have the same book. This is, this is a holy work. This is really a holy work. This commentary on Shira Shirim is a very, very holy sefer. Professor Fishbein is, is like a, a modern tzaddik of sorts. My locks, the locks of my hair with the damp of night. The damp of night, the dew that falls over the night. Please keep this pasuk in mind as we'll return to it towards the end. Rutzadok entitled his work Resise Laila, 
And I want to show you for a second the first edition, what the first edition of Recise, I'm going to maximize this Zoom thing until we're back to learning together. So here's the first edition of Recise Laila. The first edition of Recise Laila comes together with the work, a smaller work called Divrei Chalomos. And uh, as Rabbi Beshevke mentioned in his appreciation for Tzadok, this is perhaps the most explicit area where Rav Tzadok is self-referential, where Rav Tzadok talks about his own internal life. Uh, one of the very first reports that Rav Tzadok says, you know, he had a dream and it was a Friday night. And in the dream, Rav Tzadok, uh, in the dream, Rav Tzadok basically, um, basically says that the root of his soul was revealed to him in a dream. Uh, which is owes to an idea that I'm going to constantly reference is that the sum total of reading Rav Tzadok's works is I think to recognize that Ruach HaKodesh is still alive and well. That divine spirit, if somebody works hard enough, if somebody is engrossed in Torah and Chesed and service of God and prayer enough, so you too can have divine inspiration and write these kind of works. And Rav Tzadok gave shrift to that by even penning them and putting them into a contrast, Divrei Chalomos, but Divrei Chalomos comes on the heels of Rasise Laila, the dampness of night, the dew that falls at night, the unconscious states and the way that the Torah works on our hearts, on the unconscious ways in which Torah makes its way into our personalities and into who we are, something that greatly, greatly um, involved and was a focus of Rav Tzadok's works. Now, Rav Sise Laila was published, one of the first Sfarim that was published after Rav Tzadok's death. We mentioned that in the first year after Rav Tzadok's death, the Sefer Pri Tzadik, um, which we'll finish the year with tonight, the Sefer Pri Tzadik, uh, which is a collection of homilies, which is written down by Hasidim, does not come from Rav Tzadok's own hand. After Pri Tzadik, we have Tzidkas Tzadik, which was published in 1902, which we'll be spending many of our shirim on Emir Hashem. And Resise Laila is published in Lublin, 1903. This is the edition, and you could see right where the cursor is. So Hamatik Vamevi Lebeis Adfus Baruch David HaKohen. It was one of the writers and the transcribers of Tzadok's works is his stepson-in-law, Hassan Chorgorav Atzadek Agon HaKadosh Hanal. The stepson-in-law of Tzadok himself did not have children. One of the two tragedies and sufferings throughout Rav Tzadok's life. Um, and this, this book, Resise Laila, was brought to, was brought to the world through Rav Tzadok's hand and through the transcription and publishing of his stepson-in-law. So without further ado, let's take a look at our first Torah from Rav Tzadok. Uh, we're not going to, this is a seven-page keta in Rav Tzadok, so we're not going to have time really to learn through the entire thing, but um, can everybody see the screen okay? Yeah? Okay, so let's learn this. Inyan mitzvah ner Hanukkah. Now, the reason I'm before I jump into it, Rasise Laila, um, like much of Rav Tzadok, is, Rav Tzadok was deeply engaged and fascinated by the Jewish calendar, the vicissitudes of the Jewish calendar, and the holidays. Pre Tzadok, of course, is based on the Parshios and the holidays. And this Sefer is summed up as a collection of Torah from the hand of Rav Tzadok, which is guidance in Avodas Hashem and ideas pertaining to the holidays and a special focus on Purim and Adar. I would say roughly more than half of the Chibur is dedicated to Purim and the month of Adar. Um, and uh, this particular Torah is number 57, Nun Zayin in the Sefer, dealing with Hanukkah. So it's uh, apropos for this time, it's timely. 
And I was learning it on my own in preparation for Hanukkah, for the Chagan to be sure it totally transformed. Um, as uh, Jake can say, I, I gave homework to our Chabura and Oros HaTorah that they should learn this to prepare for Hanukkah. And I realized that uh, as much as it changed my understanding this year of Hanukkah, and it's sometimes hard to say something new about Hanukkah and Purim. You know, everybody's uh, looked in Sfarim about these things or read the works in English. There's so much Torah thought on them. I realize that it also serves as a fantastic exhibit to what makes Rav Tzadok's Torah so special and so transformative and why it has its place on the bookshelves of Jewish history. So without further ado, Inyan Mitzvah Ner Hanukkah Liz. The matter, right, the point of the lighting of the candles, the point of the mitzvah of Hanukkah is simply to remember the miracle of Hanukkah. This is a very simple statement, deceptively simple, but that's, that's really the main thing. You know, sometimes it helps. Simplicity is the greatest mark of genius. Is to remember the miracle of Hanukkah. That's why we light. Uve emes. And in truth, Iker Hanes Mishmad Now all of a sudden, Ritzadok starts to complicate things. Step one, we light Hanukkah candles to remind ourselves of the miracle. Step two, what was the miracle? Well, the miracle was the saving of the Jewish people from persecution and from, um, from I would say, a degree of assimilation that would wipe us out. And this is also Kipshuto. The Hanukkah is in essence, and this is the line I've been using, Hanukkah is the miracle of Jewish identity, the persistence of the Jewish people and the persistence of the Jewish identity. Hanes Deshemen. Now, when you ask most people what the miracle of Hanukkah is, so they'll say it's the miracle of the oil that lasted. Hanes Deshemen Zehaya Acharkach, Inyan Bifneatzma. That too is a miracle, but that's a matter unto itself. That when you look at the miracle, of saving the Jewish people from persecution and from completely being wiped out due to assimilation, the snuffing out of the flame of Jewish faith. So the miracle of the oil takes second, second place to that. The Lichorah doesn't really have a connection to the main aspect of the, of the miracle, which was the salvation. And in the Alanisim liturgy that we recite on Hanukkah and our benching, and in our Shemona Esrei, Lo klal There's a famous question. Why is it only an afterthought that we mention the miracle of the menorah and the Beis HaMikdash? It's only afterwards they came and they lit the candles. It's an afterthought. The, t- the liturgy itself gestures to this. Aval kol Yeshua shenikva lidoros. Any salvation that God that God arranged for the Jewish people, that was established for the generations, that we still do today. It means that there was something lacking in Jewish people. There was something missing. And the, the salvation was a restoration of that which was missing. And because of that, Rav Tzadok is speaking over here, and if you didn't realize that you were learning a work of Hasidus, you would say, I'm learning, I'm, this, seem, this seems very Talmudic, it's very logical, there's a progression over here. These lines already can appear in like the beginning of a halachic discourse, a pilpul, 
on Chanukah. And I think that this owes to a unique element of Tzaddik's thought, which I think is so attractive to people and so unique about it. Professor Alan Brill points out that you had a model. We talked about the house of Prashisk and Rav Simcha Bunim of Prashisk and his successors, Menachem Mendel of Kotsk and the house of Prashisk in general and the element of Polish Hasidus, which took the message of the Baal Shem Tov and innovated the concept of a Hasid Lamdan. Lamdam being the mitnagdic ideal of somebody who sits and learns Torah and is ensconced in the base medrash, maybe with a degree of cult that was ascribed to them wrongfully, a degree of coldness that was, that was opposite to the warmth of Hasidus. But Polish Hasidus, and I think Rav Tzadok being an amazing exemplar of this, and certainly with his writings, has this Hasid Lamdan archetype that you're, that you're a Hasid, but that you're also a lamdam. You're also deeply steeped in intellectualism and in logic and in rationality and the ways in which those ideas are developed in halachic discourse. So right now, up to this point, Ruth Tzadok is essentially describing to us the mechanism of how a zecher, how our holidays work, how, what we remember on our holidays, what's the point of our holidays. Ruth Tzadok is, is telling us what did the people need to be reminded of in the times of Hanukkah, well, what they needed to be reminded of was that there was a chesron ma. There was something lacking. There was something missing. And if we know that the miracle was saving us from shemad, saving us from religious, cultural persecution and snuffing out the flame of our faith, assimilation of our faith into something which isn't. So that was the lack that the people had beforehand. And we do know Unfortunately, this comes up uh, certainly in all the polemics that seem to happen every single year about Hanukkah. Unfortunately, we know that the, the war, that the battle of Hanukkah was against co-religionists as well, was against misyavnim, people who were so attracted to the Hellenist ways and to the Greek ways, to people that sided from our own faith, that sided with our erstwhile oppressors, that were aiding in the Hatzalah from Shema, that, that were aiding in this, that were aiding in this notion of, 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 of snuffing out Jewish faith, of pure Jewish faith. And because, because they lacked in that, that's why the Gezeros happened. It caused this circle. There was a lack. Because of the lack, there was a judgment from God. The judgment took the form of persecutions, which were terrible. And it was all b'mishpat. It was all because God acts with a sense of din, kivyachol. God acts righteously. The Lord is righteous in all of his ways. And because of the fact that we were able to be saved from that due to the actions of tzaddikim, so that's why we were metakin. We were nikva, a zechelador, because we rectified this aspect of the Jewish soul. That's why we remember it for all time. That's what Chazal saw when they established the second of the rabbinic holidays. Further, when the Jewish people were aroused, when they were excited to fix that which was lacking, and again, owing to the way Rav Tzadok opened up in such a simple way, the salvation from persecution and religious persecution and the snuffing out of Jewish identity, when we were aroused at that time to rectify that lacking in our hearts, that's when the Hatzalah came. When, the, when, when, when Jews decided we're not going to take any more of this. We're not going to let the light of our faith be snuffed out. We're not going to let our unique culture and nationhood and peoplehood be snuffed out. We're not going to allow ourselves to be persecuted and to become something else. When they rose up and fought against that over seemingly insurmountable odds, so then God did his part and God came 
and saved us, and that's what was established. And as that was rectified completely, to the very depths of what it means to be a Jew for all generations, from that point on, every Jewish person was rectified in that particular aspect. And this is why we can say things nowadays like the Lubavitcher Rebbe's famous statement, the Jew is a Jew is a Jew. Or the way that we render rabbinic statements nowadays, Yisrael afal pishachata Yisraelhu, that a Jew, even though they might sin, is still a Jew. That even though somebody might be very, very distant from the Jewish community, very distant from mitzvahs, very distant from Torah, by the very dint of their heritage as being a Jew, this aspect deep in their hearts is rectified. No one can snuff out their Jewish identity. Nobody can, can take that away from them. Rav Tzadok says that because of the Hisorus, because of the arousal that came in the times of the miracle of Hanukkah and Hashem's saving and partnership with human beings to, to cause this salvation to come about, that's why we remember Hanukkah nowadays. So now you could go back to the beginning of, the, of this Pisgah and now you understand why this wasn't such a Pashat line. This usually happens when you learn things from Rav Tzadok is that he'll say something in the beginning. In fact, um, Part of the style of Rav Tzadik, especially in Sidka Satzadik, and something that I think was emulated by Rav Kook as well, is that you almost have a koteret. You have an opening salvo, an opening line that gives you the idea, that tells you, and it's usually a shocker, it's usually, ho, oh, this is exciting. And then Rav Tzadok goes ahead and substantiates that with ideas and sources. For example, we're not going to be able to read uh, all seven pages of this, but throughout the course of substantiating this idea, Rav Tzada quotes from Sefer Yosifun. He quotes from throughout Treyasar. He quotes from throughout the Zohar. He quotes from throughout all of the works of Chazal and Midrashim. Every aspect of Jewish, of, of classic Jewish library and writing is marshaled to, to justify the opening statement over here. Inyan mitzvahs ner Hanukkah liskorneis to Hanukkah. When we light the candles, the point is to remember the miracle of Hanukkah. And the MS, and in truth, the main aspect of the miracle of Hanukkah is Hatzalam Ishmad, is saving us from completely, complete assimilation, snuffing our, uh, the light of Judaism out. Shmad, relig- religious persecution. Going back to Tzadok. Az Nikva Yeshua Zuzeich Ledoros. Because of what our ancestors did, because of the miracle of their arousal to fight against this, despite the odds. So that is something that we remember in any generation. Like I mentioned before, just because the Hatzalah comes because there was some lack. So it's important when we remember and when we observe Hanukkah nowadays, it's important to remember that which we need to rectify now in our own selves. In 2020, what aspect of our own of our own Jewish identity, what aspect of our own engagement with our own Judaism needs, do we need to be reminded of? That's an avoda of Hanukkah. That's the work that we do in, the, in Hanukkah. And, and, and Ritzadok isn't standing, I'm just going to stop the share for a second, Ritzadok's standing on very firm ground over here because the Maharal, who came many centuries before Ritzadok, and, uh, and I quote the Maharal carefully because um, I read a beautiful work in preparation for these shiurim. Uh, the work comes from, I, I don't want to get his name wrong, the work comes from Shlomo Zalman Shragai. Here, let me show you who he is. If, I, if, I, if we're on Zoom, we might as well use it. Here's Shlomo Zalman Shragai. Shlomo Zalman Shragai, who looks amazing, um, was a mayor of Yerushalayim in the 50s. He was also a Radziner Chassid. 
and he also received an honorary doctorate from Bar Ilan University. He published two works on the thought of Radzin and Ishvitz and spends about 50 pages discussing Rav Tzadok. And in it, and this is important because he's a scholar, but he's also somebody that had family connections, living connections to Ishbitz Hasidus and to Rav Tzadok. So when, when Shlomo Zalman Shragai was writing about the main influences of Rav Tzadok, so he quotes, and you could quibble with this if need be, but he quotes three main figures, and we're going to come back to all of them. Thank God we have time. He quotes the Maharal, Rabbi Hudaloi of Prague, the Balatanya, the Alter Rebbe, and Rav Nachman of Breslov. Those are the people, and this is before Rav Nachman of Breslov was, was, was as cool as he is nowadays, you know, that, uh, that it's so accepted to mention him. But this is who Rav Shragai um, ha- is, has, is, is pushed to show as the roots of Tzaddik. Now the Maharal says that this isn't just with Hanukkah, but that with every Jewish holiday, with every Jewish holiday, the idea is, he mentions this with Pesach, the idea is for us to remember in those days at this time, that the same aspects of the miracle, oh, he mentions this in Shavuos, in Netzach Yisrael. He says that, it's, sorry, Tiferes Yisrael, my bad. That, that when we talk about the holidays, we shouldn't just be reminding ourselves of something that happened in the past, but we should be reliving it. So if Tzaddik is telling us that Hanukkah is about remembering this miracle, then our work on Hanukkah is to try as much as possible and to think about how that miracle manifests in our days, the miracle of Jewish identity and persistence of the Jewish people, the miracle of Jewish unity, uh, which we seem to always be trying to tear apart, no matter what, on every small thing and to reflect on our chesronos, to reflect on the areas that we're lacking in this. A few more words to finish up this piska. Let's go back to, um, I love saying piska. I feel like a Hezder rabbi when I say it like that. So Rav Tzadok says, V'kavu eze mitzvos lios la'asra ba'ososman. So how is it that we establish a zecher ledoros? How is it that we establish a remembrance of this salvation for all generations? So Chazal knew exactly what to do. They established it just like the Torah would establish for a miracle. We were saved from the Egyptians, so we're going to eat matzah. And we're going to tell over, we got it to Levincha. And we're going to not eat chametz. All zecher, all remembrance of the rabbis when they established the rabbinic holiday. They gave us rabbinic commandments for us to fulfill at this time. And by performing mitzvahs, we engender a kind of holiness, right? The candles themselves are holy. There's an aspect, in fact, of bringing the base hamikdash into our own homes. Each and every Jewish home is now a mikdash ma'at, is a small base hamikdash even after the destruction, something that Rav Tzadok dilates on later on in this Torah, in Torah 57. But the rabbi said, how, do you, how does a Jew remember? How do we perform the act of memory? So we do it with mitzvot. The mitzvot that we do are fundamentally to reenact and to show that we are the same people. We're the same people as the people who were saved in the first time and they established the holiday. They lit the menorah, we light the menorah. They go ahead and they sing halo v'hadat Hashem. We too will sing Halavah Hadat Hashem. We're the exact same people that were saved. We're the exact same people that Me'ad Hashoda Shaklalus Knesset Yisrael Be'inyan. We're Metukanim. We're fixed in this. We have rectified this lack in the Jewish heart. 
And here Tzadok is starting to rev up. In Asra de Latata is a Zoharic language which talks about, it means an arousal from below. It's something that we do even if you feel nothing. And uh, I, t- I spoke this week earlier about the Piazetzner. Who, who talked often, the Ish Kodesh, about the value of regesh, the value of emotion, the value of hisoros, of arousing ourselves, that external actions, achreya, pa'ulos, nimshachim, alavavos, our external actions engender the mindset, the, the intellectual state of, of being that we hope to be in order to fulfill the mitzvah properly by lighting the candles, even if we feel nothing when we light the candles, by just remembering that when we light the candle, we're the same nation, the same people that lit those candles the first time, so Kedusha, a holiness, occurs, and the Zecher, the memory, starts to be built up. Rav Tzadok now says a klal. Rav Tzadok also deals greatly, and I think he can, if Josh Rosenfeld was to say a great rule in the whole Torah is X, Y, and Z, I would encourage you to not take me seriously because I don't know anything approximating the whole Torah. But Rav Tzadok says that this thing is a rule Rav Tzadok is saying it with a degree of authority that also permeates his works and makes them so enjoyable. And that authority is an openness and an understanding of kola kula. All of this being at his fingertips, the tip of his tongue, or better said, in the depths of his heart. If you want holiness, it doesn't come on its own. It doesn't just happen. Spirituality, these words that we toss around, they're not muvan me'ilav. You can't fake it. You can't have it just happen. You can't flip that switch of holiness on. Rav Tzadok says, rather, you have to do something here. You have to do some action or some process of preparation to open up that little pin's breadth, the, 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 the width of the head of a pin, and when we open up that little pin's breath, then we're also able, God will do his part and open us up the, the, uh, the, the entire world. And when we, when we do this little action, when we light the candle with the proper mindset and fulfill these mitzvahs and recognizing what everything that we're doing, the zecher of it, so we've opened up now a little seishura in the words of Michael Fishbein, right? The little seishura, a little opening, a little rending of our reality in order to allow holiness and spirituality to come in. We're so closed off from it all the time. This word seishur is a Greek word for rendering asunder, for tearing open our reality. Lighting the candle should be a tearing open of reality. Should be a moment connecting to a miracle that happened thousands of years ago and remembering who and what we're doing and remembering when we're doing it. And then Kedusha has its way in. This is how, when I said that this Piskah, that this Torah is about the mechanisms, not just of Hanukkah, but the mechanism of every Jewish holiday, I think that this is what Rav Tzadok means. That these are appointed times for us to tear open our reality, to tear open our worlds, and to seek to transcend, to connect to something that is beyond us, to connect to something that is bigger than us. And in this sense, in Hanukkah sense, that bigger thing is Jewish peoplehood, Jewish identity, the miracle of its persistence, and the fact that it was so deeply threatened by the Yavan and by the Greeks, and that because of our ancestors' initiative from below, we were saved from it. So that's what lighting the candles are. And when we do that properly, so we open up our own hearts, and we allow it, however subconsciously, or hopefully consciously, to seep into our understanding, and the holiday takes on a new meaning. I was this years old uh, before I really saw this idea put 
so clearly, put so succinctly, and you have to leave it to Rav Tzadok with the Chassid Lamdan mindset, with the, with the Chassid, the deep, emotional, profound connection with God on, on a personal and, and spiritual and emotional level, and, and the logic and the clarity of Talmudic discourse. And this is what knowing Kola Torah Kula does to you when you think about the holidays. Now, I want to... Um, I want to go back for a second. I want to go back for a second and show you a Pasuk in Shira Shirim, and we'll end with this. So we talked about, in the beginning of the Shira, we talked about the unconscious way for Rabbi Shefkin's writings, the unconscious way in which Rav Tzadok's thought um, seeps into our, our, our own understanding of Judaism, even without knowing where it comes from. So the Pasuk that Rav Tzadok used for the title of the Sefer comes, once again, from Shira Shirim. Hey, Bez, Ani Shane of Libier. I am asleep, or I was asleep. But my heart was awake. Hark, my beloved knocks. Let me in, my own, Rayasi, my darling, Yonasi, Tamasi, my beautiful faultless dove. My head is drenched with dew. And my locks are filled with the damp of night. And I want to tell you why I think Rav Sadok chose this nature and how this fits into this toad over here. So Professor Fishbane writes that the damp of night over here appears elsewhere. This is rendered Rasise Laila, and the first term occurs only once more in scripture in Amos. It is a geminate noun. That means it's doubling of a, of a word. It's a, I can't say I fully understand what Fishbane means when he says geminate, but Rasise, Rasise is a shard. Rasise are many shards, and it means to soak, to moisten, in the words of Ibn Ezra. This noun also occurs in Aramaic, in the word revivim. The word revivim is from the speech of Moshe Rabbeinu at the end of Torah. Moshe compares words of Torah. The words of Torah are compared, and according to Hasidic thought, the second meaning, right, there's imrasi, and Tizol Katal Imrasi, that is reference to the deeper words of Torah that come down like dew. And Fishbane continues and says that the beloved here in Shir Hashirim is telling the seeker that he is suffused with spiritual bounty. All of us, not just with Tzadok, but all of us are filled with spiritual bounty, again, by dint of our heritage and identity. The dew upon our head suggests a higher divine consciousness, which is what Rav Tzadok is seeking to do in his Torah. And um, I guess it's fitting that uh, I got to rewatch the amazing Grateful Dead documentary. Um, I recommend it to everybody called Long Strange Trip. And in Long Strange Trip, one of the most moving parts is uh, when a sound engineer on the Europe 72 tour uh, talks about abandoning his sound trailer to go hear the dead play the song Morning Dew. And I had just listened to it, and he says this with tears in his eyes. The song meant so much to him, to walk out into the morning dew. So I want to finish off tonight by quoting to you what Rav Tzadok, I think, means when we talk about Rasise Laila, and how Torahs like the ones they mentioned over here, so deceptively simple and logical, but so profound and depth-filled, and with the ability to change our perspective on not just Hanukkah, but all holidays. And again, holidays and Moadim are something that's so engaged Rav Tzadok's thought. So Professor Alan Brill quotes in his introduction to his book, Thinking God. I just showed you a blue book. I took the jacket off. Thinking God. So in his discussion of Pesach, says Professor Brill, Rav Tzadok chooses as his paradigm for God's presence, not the miraculous hand of God displayed in the splitting of the sea, 
but the natural process of dew falling each night. And um, this comes from Preet Tzadik on Pesach. Rav Tzadok writes, and I'm going to read to you in English and we'll finish with this. Dew, Rishi Say Laila, dew leaves Nimlatal, dew leaves no trace in its fall from the heavens. It is in noticing the wet ground that we understand that the dew has fallen. So too, the oral law is the word of the living God, secretly flowing from God into the heart of sages, despite the appearance that it issues from intellects. This divine dew flows continuously without any performance from the tzaddik. So as we go deeper and deeper into the words of tzaddik, and we start to see more of characteristic, classic Rav Tzadok Torah, as it might be said, with all of its daring, with all of its spiritual profundity, with all of what it means for our own service of God as moderns and as people who want to connect to the past. I think that this metaphor of do, the unconscious ways in which having a head full of Torah, and by us, I don't mean that somebody that needs to be learning Torah like Rav Tzadok or making brachas on nursing from their mother or learning Gemara and finishing Shas by age 10. I mean all of us in any way from our Jewish engagement, when it was in shul, if we only went to shul when we were young, those experiences, or when it was learning in Hebrew school after public school and learning the Aleph Beis, all of this has a way of permeating and coming into the Jewish heart. You never quite know when it has an arousal from below, just like I would aver the Makabim and the Chashmanaim did not know that they would need to be called on to bring out that Asrusa, those wellsprings from below, to bring out the miracle and the salvation of Hanukkah. But I think that this is what undergirds and underpins so much of Tzadok's work. What happens when we refract the Torah of Hashem, the true Torah of Hashem, to our own personalities, to our own subconscious? And being able, the privilege to learn Rav Tzadok's works is to be able to see what happens to an individual like Rav Tzadok when that process is committed to paper and writing. And I think in a sense, I don't think I'm exaggerating a little bit, I think that it has life-saving qualities, at least in a spiritual sense, that it can save somebody, it could save their engagement with Judaism, it can deepen our engagement with Judaism, which is what we're all seeking towards. And hopefully at some point we'll be able to reach that same degree of transcendence that Rav Tzadik himself is alluding to. I want to thank everybody so much.